was dead to me. She wasn't breathing. She had no color in her skin, nothing. She wasn't moving, nothing. Jesus came into the house and took her by the hand and he said, Talitha, kume, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. When he said that to her, she went, the color came back in her face. She opened her eyes and, and we were like, what? I looked at her parents, they looked at me. We looked at him. <laughs> that this Jesus that we keep talking about is not just a good teacher? This Jesus has the power of life and death. And with a word from his mouth, he brings the dead back to life. Hello, and welcome to Plays on Word Radio, where we discuss, analyze, work, and play on the Word of God. Thank you for joining us on this excursion today. Let's join Pastor Teddy, also known as Fred David Kenny Jr., the founder of Plays on Word Theater, as he does a deep dive into the Word of God. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, thank you very much, Josh. Welcome to Plays on Word Radio. That's right, P-O-W-R, power. And we are continuing with what we started last time. It was the story of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And it started out with Jairus falling before Jesus and begging him to come to the house. And then the woman who was bleeding touched the tassel on Jesus's prayer shawl on his the edge of his garment it's just it's just an incredible section of, of scripture i actually i read also that and i don't know i can't find confirmation on this but i i read that it was a, a stonable offense if you are not a family member to grab hold of someone's uh, uh t- prayer shawl tassel okay i haven't been able to get confirmation on that but if it's true that's that's amazing in what she did and even more amazing at his response, because here she comes up, and she comes up from behind him, and she 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 grabs and touches his tassel, and you know who knows maybe she was aware of the passage in Malachi, Malachi four, uh, verse two it says the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and that idea of the, his wings, I believe in the Hebrew, I believe it's it. It's synonymous with the, the concept of tassel. I got to go back and check that, but who knows? She might, she might have uh, been aware of that. Maybe she was just desperate. And she heard about this rabbi who was healing people. Who knows? You know, who knows the internal, the deepest reasons why people seek and, and, and go and say, I got to find this guy. I got to find Jesus. But good for her that she didn't let people tell her, oh, you know, you can't, you can't go see him because you're this, you're that. You can't approach him because you're, you know, you need to get yourself straightened out first. You need to get yourself cleaned up first before you go see him. How many people say that about going to a church fellowship or going to church or even opening their Bible or the whole, that is a straight lie from the enemy. Oh, you got to get yourself straightened out first before you go see, before you, you know, get right with God. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You can't straighten yourself out. She couldn't heal herself. No, she had to go to Jesus. The only one who could heal her, the doctors, the people that got paid for healing people, they do nothing for her. If anything, they made her situation worse. They took her money and didn't fix the problem. Nah. 
Uh-uh. The experts failed her. People failed her. She had nothing left. And she went to the great physician. Thank God she did. And she touched his garment in the hope that she would be healed. The next chapter, next chapter over, he went into villages, countryside. People knew to, if they could just touch the fringe of his cloak. Maybe it started here with her. Maybe she heard about it from other people. Who, who knows? We don't know. It's just a, an amazing, amazing story. And his response when she does this, just for conversation's sake, imagine if it is a, a stonable offense, touching the tassel on a Jewish man's prayer shawl, right? And she does this in front of everybody. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And, and this kind of tripped Peter out because they're like, what? what? Wait, what? what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's pushing up on you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Someone touched me. I felt power go out from me. And the woman, she, it says immediately, in Mark, it says immediate. That's one of his favorite words. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, man. Can you imagine how she was feeling? I mean, she, she knew it was... Well, we're, we're assuming, for conversation's sake, say it's a stonable offense. She knows it's wrong, and she does it, and Jesus stops. Now she's caught. <laughs> oh, but the great thing is she didn't just take off. She came and knelt down before him and told him the whole truth, it says in, in Mark 33. In Luke and Mark, it says she, she came trembling and fell down before him. And his response... It's the only place in the gospel where Jesus calls someone directly, addresses them as daughter. The only place in the gospel. And I believe that it, this does show an importance to this whole concept of family members touching the, the prayer shawl. It also plays into the bigger picture because earlier, you know, this section here is all knit together. Um, Jairus, his daughter... Um, he comes to Jesus for his daughter. And, and here, he, Jesus addresses this woman as daughter, making her part of his family. This great physician, yeah, daughter, your faith has made you well. You, it's okay you touch the, 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 it's okay you touch the tassel on my prayer shawl. It is okay that power went out for me and healed you. It's not like he didn't know anyway. You know what I mean? He knew. Anytime he asks any question, he already knows the answer to it. He was giving her an opportunity to come forth in truth. There's another lesson right there. Instead of her just taking off, no, she came and told him the whole truth. And operating in truth with the Lord is the best policy. He already knows the, he already knows the truth anyway. The, so operating in the truth is always for us. It's always for us, man. You're always way better operating in the truth with the Lord and with other people, particularly with the Lord, because you, no matter what it is, you operate in the truth and leave the consequences to him. You stand on the truth. I told a dear brother of mine that was having some issues with his wife. And I, I said, look, man, you operate in the truth. You go to God and you go to her. You operate in the truth and leave the consequences to God. I'm telling you, he honors those that make the attempt to, uh, to operate in truth. And he, he was grateful. Things worked out. The enemy had him so worried. Oh, I can't, I can't tell the truth about this. Oh my goodness. I can't. I have, 
this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Oh, I'm going to be this. And, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hit the brakes, man. The Lord wants us as men and women of God to operate in truth. And sometimes the truth ends up hurting us a little bit, but we have to we, we leave the consequences in God's hands, operate in truth. That's what he wants. Can I get an amen on that? Man, I don't know how I ended up preaching on this, on this radio broadcast. So yeah, she, you know, it, it's just fascinating. And she was healed from that moment. And he said, you may go, your faith has made you well, go in peace. And it's not that, you know, let's just deal with this real quick. It's not that her faith was some type of, some type of lightsaber she could pull out of her, her utility belt. And yeah, I'm mixing, I'm mixing different comic characters and everything. It's her faith in Christ is what healed her. Um, not faith by itself. Right now I'm sitting in, I'm sitting on a chair. Right? Is it my faith that's holding me up or is the chair holding me up? No, your faith is only as good as the object that you put it in. So it's not that her faith by itself, just faith, faith for faith's sake, is what healed her. No, 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 no. That's 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 a, a skewed teaching on that, man. No, it's always faith in Christ, the object that we put uh, our faith in, the one that we put our faith in. Um, He's the one who healed her. And we got to make sure we keep that correct perspective. It is faith in God. The faith of me to sit on this chair is important, but the chair is the one that is the thing that does the work of holding me up. I put my faith in it because it has proven that it has not let me down. I don't know how many of you have ever had a chair break on you. That's not fun. I... I did that one time. I sat down in my, my, when I was younger, man, in my, in my dad's office, man, he had this, this chair. I don't, I was, I actually thought he set me up. I was so upset, but it turned out the weld just broke on it. It was like welded or something, man. I sat down in this chair and it broke. Oh my goodness. My back is hurting right now thinking about that. Anyway, I digress. Okay. So let's go to Jairus, which is amazing. They make their way to Jairus after this lady's healed. Someone comes and says to Jairus, hey, man, she didn't make it, man. Give up. Again, listening to everybody else here, listening to the people, the world would tell you, you know, the world would tell that woman, you can't approach Jesus. You can't go to Jesus. This guy's friend or his employee told him, uh, you know what? Don't bring, don't bring the teacher, man. Don't, don't bring him anymore. She's, it, there's no hope left. There's, there's no chance. And Jairus, no doubt, was visibly upset about that. Here he made this trip out to Jesus. That shows us the importance of this situation. He didn't send somebody else. He went to plead with Jesus to come to his house. And now a messenger comes and says, it's too late, dude. She's, she died. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus, his response to this guy was amazing. It says Jesus, but, over, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, to Jairus, he said, do not fear only believe. Don't fear. Just believe. And how many times did Jesus has Jesus said that? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, th- throughout the entire Bible, that's the word from God. Do not fear. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, but I remember doing a search on that phrase. And it's, it's astronomically high. It's one of the highest uh, phrases, if not the highest phrase, repeated in the scripture don't do not fear do not fear only believe and here it's not 
believe in yourself or believe for belief's sake. Again, not it's not it's the object that we put our faith in. It's not us. It's it's the object we put our faith in. And he's like, you know, don't fear, just believe. Only believe. And believe in what? Put your put your belief in God. Put your belief in Christ that he's he's able to do this. And Jairus just saw the fringe or the tassel of Jesus' garment heal a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years, that's a significant number there. Here, his daughter's 12 years old. He just saw it with his own eyes. And it says, Jesus allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So that's, those are Zebedee's kids, Pete says in the play. And they went to the house. And before they got into the house, there was a commotion. There was people weeping and wailing. Back in the day, they would, um, the professional mourners would, uh, you know, that was a, that was actually an occupation. Today we have professional rioters. Um, but back then we, yeah, we, professional mourners that would go around and, and weep and wail and moan for the dead. And they're all out there. And Jesus says, this is, this is great. This is, why are you making a commotion of weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, meaning that she was dead. They, they, I mean, she's not sleeping. She's dead, man. He put the people outside that were there inside and he, he brought James and John in and Peter and Jairus and the mother was there and he took her by the hand as a Talithakumi, Aramaic for a uh, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl, can you, can you imagine that? Here she's dead, inanimate. Jesus speaks to her and says, arise. And the girl got up and began walking around. She was 12 years old. Immediately, they were all overcome with amazement. And he told them, don't, you know, don't tell anybody about this. Give, you know, and he said, give her something to eat. That story alone. I, I mean, he has the power of healing. He has the power over life and death. He has the power, this whole section, before it, you know, power, he's got the power over demons. He's got the power over the wind. And who is this? Who is this guy? And that's the question you need to ask yourself. Because depending on how you answer that, it will affect your eternal destiny. If he's just a good rabbi from the first century, mm, then you're missing it. No rabbi from the first century calmed the wind and the waves. No, not with a word. Uh-uh. No, I'll tell you this. No rabbi can calm the wind, wind and the waves even today. Take all the tech we got. All the tech we got. You can't, you can't calm the wind and the waves. How you answer that question will determine where you spend eternity. I submit he is who he says he is. He is the very one who was sent. He is the, Messi the Messiah, the Mashiach. He is God incarnate. He said, before Abraham was born, I am, ego emi in the Greek. I am and they picked up stones to stone him because they knew exactly what he was saying. He wasn't just saying, I'm, you know, I'm some guy. I'm a good teacher. I'm just, I'm a rap. No, he was saying, I am. And that is the covenant name that was given to Moses, the tetragrammaton, where we get the term Yahweh. He was claiming to be God. Yeah, he's who he says he is. And he backs it. I mean, he, he, he backed it up. With all these miracles and signs, he backed it up. So you can either say, all right, well, I choose to not believe any of that stuff. 
And that's your prerogative. You can do that. Or you can investigate. Honestly investigate. And there have been people, atheists, skeptics. Lee Strobel's one of them. Lee Strobel. He wrote The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, The Case for... But he, he was a straight-up atheist skeptic. He didn't believe. He set out to prove all this wrong. And the more he dug, the more he realized, oh my goodness, wait a minute. As much as I refuse to believe this, I can't render this in my mind. I can't make sense of this because it looks like it's true. As much as I try to disprove faith in Christ, it looks like he is who he says he is. What does that mean? Oh my God. What are the implications of that? Yeah. And that's, that's when you get to that point, <laughs> you've got a decision. You can reject it. Therefore, you end up calling the Holy Spirit a liar because the Holy Spirit is the one that testifies of Christ, that he is who he says he is. The Holy Spirit is the one that testifies of Jesus and says that he is the Messiah. He's the one who was sent. All this is true. So you're basically calling the Holy Spirit a liar. Well, there's, I don't know how you can be saved after doing that because there's, there's, you've shut every door. Anyway, I want to end on a good note. So how do you do that? You ask him, you say, hey, man, if that madman on that radio program is right, that dude is, he sounds like he's absolutely nuts. But if there's any truth to what he's saying, Lord, would you please forgive me of my sins uh, and come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit? Live through me. Show me, Lord. If, 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 if that dude's right, if, any, if this is true, please, Lord, come into my life and show me. And those of you that are already in the family of God and those that maybe you need to Maybe you need to double down, man, and, and get back to walking with the Lord. Well, that applies to, to, to you, too. You just ask him, Lord, uh, uh, reignite the fire within me. Help me to understand your word. Give me a hunger for your word and a thirst for fellowship with your spirit that can't be quenched or satisfied. Help me, Lord. Give me understanding. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, it's pretty simple, man. You, you, said, you pray, pray like that from your heart. He, is in, he has invested way too much to be playing games. You look at the price he paid, one drop of the blood of Christ is worth more than all the real estate in all creation. And he shed his blood and went to the cross in a demonstration of love for you because you owed a debt you couldn't pay. He paid your debt. He paid a debt he didn't owe. He paid way too high a price to be playing games. So I can say with confidence, if you pray to him from your heart and ask him any of those things, if you're a believer, Lord, please excite, excite me. Get me amped up about you and your word. Guide me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if you're a non-believer and you're like, man, if this dude is right, I don't know if this dude's right or not, but I'm going to ask, Lord, if, if, if that guy's right, would you please show me? Okay, so... We're going to go to the uh, playground section of Plays on Word Radio, and we are going to visit with Pastor Bert Salisbury of Calvary Chapel Living Water in New Jersey, where I serve on the staff there as an assistant pastor, associate pastor, whatever you want to call me. I'm one of the pastors there. And uh, yeah, so let's go to that. We are here with Pastor Bert Salisbury from Calvary Chapel Living Water in Silverton, New Jersey, in the playground section. Uh, let's see, Bert was at the second play we've ever did. I think we did it at Joe Gratzel's, and you remember you came out? Remember that was the one where, where Ray brought in a whole busload of people? I remember. Ray Dash, we gotta, we gotta get a hold of that guy too. Um, and then you came up to me, you were like, all right, you gotta, you gotta come to my church over to Cornerstone. And uh, you set it up, you were like our 
our very first manager, man. You, were, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that vividly, man. So yeah, that was that was really cool. And now you are pastoring over here at Silverton. Uh, before we get to that, can you can you just share how you met Jesus? Give me the breakdown of that. Well, I think um, looking back on it, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Most of the believers will tell you that they see his hand upon them longer than their hand was upon him, if you'll excuse the turn of phrase. But I believe that he had his hand upon me from a very young age. However, if I was to try to pinpoint a time, he really got his hand on me when I was in the service. I had a Christian roommate who uh, was a little bit off the rails, but off the rails like <laughs> holy roller, if you will. Amen. But uh, I believe that was the, the time when I actually started a life in pursuit of Jesus around that time. Back in the military. When I was like 18, because it was early on, 18 years old. God bought me my, I got my first, my first real Bible. I had Bibles, but my, we went to a Christian bookstore and I got a Bible. I still have it, by the way. And uh, started questioning and searching and reading. So I say probably 18. And then it was an up and down ride from there, but 18. Yeah. Still a young age. That's a good young age. Yeah. You know, but now, were you, did you go to church before that? And were you a church? I was, were you when church I, when I, no, 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 no. When I was a kid, I asked my dad to bring me to church. We went to Methodist church for a few years. Okay. But again, I, I don't think there was no depth to it, if you will, at that time. Now, the military, I'm going to, I don't know if you can share this or not, but the, the, when you're in the military, can you share that story when you were on the train? Oh, Man, I forgot about that. I, I can't forget. That's a that's an amazing story. Wait till so, you hear this. When you're when you're in the service, you travel by plane a lot. And I used to I was at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, so I used to take the train up to New Jersey. And man, I wish I knew the year this happened. I was early on though. I couldn't have been more than a private, so it was really early. I was like 18, 19 years old, and I took the train up. It's a 10-hour train ride. If anybody's ever ridden the rails on the coach, you know what that's like. You meet a lot of people when you're on a train for 10 hours. One time I met uh, Carl Sagan's assistant. Oy. And I didn't even understand what that lady was talking about. But uh, it was like otherworldly. <laughs> but um, So anyway, I'm on a train and for whatever reason, I wasn't sleeping, for whatever reason, we came into Newark and then we rode out of Newark, which was my home stop. And I literally looked out the window as we started pulling out of Newark, headed toward Penn Station in New York, and I saw my parents Mm -mm. on the platform so anyway so now I'm kind of panicked and I don't think I had a dollar in my pocket this is pre-cell phones oh yeah <laughs> in 1988 oh. at the earliest 88 89 89 at the latest so uh oh. so I'm panicked right and I'm kind of pacing around or getting nervous or saying so I missed my stop I missed my stop I don't know what happens next I mean I was inexperienced with this stuff I didn't know so um this dude stands up and I can see him in my mind's eye standing at the front of the rail car. Black dude, kind of kind of a big guy, not like tall big, just kind of a big dude. Like you see him playing ball or something, like that kind of size. And uh, he stands up, he says, excuse me to everybody. We're gonna help this young man out. I'm gonna pass my hat around. I expect everybody to put a little money in there so he can get a train ticket back to Newark when he gets to Penn Station. And man, I'm telling you to this day, mm. I can see that dude doing that for me. Mm, yeah. To, to this day. That's an incredible story. And it's not and then the, the outcome was I get to Penn Station, he gives me the money and I don't to this I, I don't remember how much it was. You're talking like thirty five years ago. But I get to Penn Station, I go in, 
and I ask and stuff and I talk to somebody and they put me on the next train flipping back down that way, down the northeast quarter in the other direction. I get off in Newark. Man, what a blessing that dude was. Oh. It unsolicited. Like I didn't I didn't walk around asking people money or nothing. He just yeah. kinda heard my plate and kinda stood up in the front of the train. It was a pretty cool story. The good Lord was looking out for you even man. Then. I don't think about that often enough, actually. Amen, amen. Well that's all the time we have on Plays All Word Radio for today. So next week we'll uh we'll continue with this. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This program was made possible by the Plays on Word family of supporters. To find out more, check out our website at playsonword.org.